up, what up, what up, y'all? What's up, y'all? And welcome to the first official episode of Taking a Shot with Jalen Ray, the podcast. Today's podcast is really special to me. If you know me, you know I'm always going to support black women. Always. As they folks say nowadays, period. I was raised by a strong black woman. I've been blessed to be surrounded by some of the most phenomenal black women to grace this earth. I think black women are magical. I think that they can do anything, everything, whenever they want to. They are constantly put down and they constantly get back up. And for that, I will always support black women. So I've decided to dedicate my first ever episode just to having an intimate and honest conversation with three black women that I've come to know. I feel like it's important to me to always give black women a space. The same as this, your word can affect anybody. You don't have to be a influence or whatever. I want you to know that your words regardless have meaning and have power. But first, I want to give out some amazing black girl magic shouts. We had some great things happen with black women over the past couple weeks. The first being Janetta Epps, who will become the first black woman to ever, and I mean ever, live on the International Space Station. She is showing little black girls everywhere that it is possible to reach for the stars. And you know what? I love it. I love it. She's showing black girls that you can be anything. Like Catherine Johnson showed that you can help get them to the moon. You can help learn how to get them to the build the space station. But now Katherine Johnson's dream is seeing a black girl up there. And I think that's just amazing. I think it's amazing. My last black girl magic shout out is to one of my favorite people, the amazing Senator Kamala Harris, who was recently selected to be Joe Biden's running mate. If you know me, I love her. Um, Kamala is not only the second black woman to serve in the Senate, she is the first person of color to be on a major presidential ticket. That's amazing. It's crazy that in 2020, actually only was so 12 years later from having our first black president, we're now getting a black woman on the ticket. Ms. Harris is not only an HBC graduate of the Howard University, she's a member of my mother and grandmother's sorority, the Alpha Capital Sorority Incorporated. Shout out to them. I know they were extremely happy. My mother was through the roof seeing that one of her sisters could be in the White House one day. I will also negate, will not negate the fact that she is of South Asian descent. Her mother was Indian. That's also a win for them. But this episode is really focused on black girl, black girl magic. Okay. Now, you might have an issue with her because of her former job. But right now, we're going to celebrate this black woman and lift her up because the other side is going to attack her. They're going to use her blackness against her. They're going to use that weapon as we know that they will do. So... We're not going to tear her down with this shout out. We are going to simply congratulate this sister on making it and showing other young black girls that, you know, you can be president one day. You can be whatever you want to be. So, like always, I'm going to give you a little quick song to dance to while I'm getting my drink together and our guests for this week are getting their week, their drink together. 
So make sure you're ready because it's finally time to take a shot at Tegan Ray. Mama told me brown skin girl, that skin just like girls. You're back against the world. I never judge you for anybody else. A brown skin girl, that skin just like girls. The best thing in the world. I never judge you for anybody else. It's like a trophy when Naomi's walking. She need an Oscar for that pretty dark skin. Pretty like Lupita when the camera's closing. So I first just want to say thank y'all for being on the show today. It really means a lot to me that y'all took the time out of y'all's busy schedules just to talk with little old Jalen, you know, y'all know me. Um, I first want to say I want this conversation to be real and open. You don't have to be too personal if you don't want to, but I do want you just to be honest the best that you can, okay? Kenosha, Kay, Kelly? All good. Okay. So, I've decided to name this episode Black Millennial Women Owning the Conversation. So, my first question to you three is, what do you think of the title of that? How does that make you feel? We should own the conversation. Yeah. 100%. So. And we're the ones, though, I think, that are starting a lot of the conversations, especially um, with, like, Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the um, LGBTQIA uh, conversation, too, is primarily led by millennial Black women right now. So. I think that is a, a really strong uh, title for this episode. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so my next series of questions really goes into being a black woman in today's world. So the first question is going to be, what does being a black woman mean to you? And whoever wants to take it, everybody doesn't have to answer every question, but whoever wants to take it first. I guess I'll jump in to break the ice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting question. Um, for me, at least, I think in undergrad, um, I had a stronger, not a stronger sense, but I think I was more um, defined in what I believed a black woman to be. Um, Hold on one think, second. Okay. Um, and I think that that's changed a lot now that I'm a little bit older in a new space and have had a lot more experiences. And, um, I'll just say that I think it's more about 
being in tune of who you are and the space that you can take up. Um, for me, I think uh, I knew where who I was, kind of empty, um, kind of felt like a bigger fish in a smaller sea. Um, and then coming to a large university, um, you're one of a million people, you know? Um, and I think that made me rethink, um, okay, well, my identity is not so much in that I'm the smart, you know, like one of the smart black students, right? Or mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. one of the, it's like, okay, there's plenty of us, right? Mm-hmm. There's many of us. Who am I outside of these frameworks? Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I think that's what it made me think of, just being able to be a person um, that can take up space, that can do whatever they want to do. Okay. Does anyone else want to answer that question before we go to the next one? Yeah, I will. Um, I think for a long time, I went along with what society tells us we're supposed to be, if that makes sense. Um, Like, we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be all these things, which are great things. Um, But I've felt like for me there was a season where I was falling into what could have been considered stereotypical um and I think now that I'm older um and again I've lived some more life and I've learned some more things um being a black woman is being a woman that just is has been blessed with this melanin and we um it doesn't come along with stigma or it shouldn't come along with stigma. I just get to be myself who just so happens to live in black skin, if that makes sense. Okay, I understand. I can see that. I can see it. Uh, Kay, you want to take a shot at it before you want to move on to the next one? We can move on to the next one because I really just said everything wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my next question is, what's the difference between our generation of black women and the generations before? So, for instance, like your mom or your grandmother, like that, what's the difference? What's the sole difference, if you can just give one example? I will definitely take a poke at that one, though. So, the difference in between our generation, and I'll use my grandmother's generation, um, this generation of women, we fight back. Um, We do not stand down. We do not allow a man or anyone for that matter to tell us what we are and what we aren't. Um, No one now can tell us we can't do anything. Because when you tell us that we can't do it, we're going to do it anyway just to show you that we can. And I know with my grandmother's generation, they, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of them, it was about being submissive to your husband in all aspects and not having that competitive moment but for us we don't care (laughs) like if you're here you can be here if you're not going to be here you can leave whatever you decide but we're still going to do what we want to do and what we feel like is best for us you you right about that i can't even say that i'm looking words getting tired (laughs) um anybody else want to crack at it Uh, i think that's good yeah i would add 
Mm, okay. Um, I don't think our parents or um, definitely not our grandparents had the ability to kind of just do things and move around in a way um, that we can today. Like, um, I think that has allowed us to be able to fight back. Like you're saying, Kay, like, I think that really does play a part. Like, we're told that we're independent and strong and all these things earlier, right? Like, I think that's something that was passed down um, from those other generations. So now we can be as free as we want to be and give that freedom and allow our children to express it more um, in ways that we may have been stifled. Now we know, right? And our children can be more... Yeah, uh, more free than us. So I think that's something that um, I think about. Um, oh, y'all hitting the soul, hitting the soul. I love it. Um, my next question is going to be: How do you define beauty? Did you say beauty? Mm-hmm. How do you okay. define beauty? Okay, so I'll move on since we have to think on it. <laughs> um, my it kind of, but my next question does kind of tie into that one because it says, "Do you feel beautiful?" And when you were growing up, did someone speak beauty into you? Did you have someone, did, or did you have to learn how to see beauty in yourself? If you can understand what I mean by that, this mask I have on is kind of making muffling my words, but. <laughs> Obviously, hopefully you guys can understand what I was meaning by that. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I I grew up in a predominantly like white school um, in California, and so I think there might have been maybe ten other black kids like in my graduating class when I graduated from high school. And so I don't really think I ever saw myself like fitting into the mold of whatever, of how everyone else was beautiful um, mm. growing up. And so I just, I think I just thought I was like a cute kid because my family all told me I was cute. And, mm. and there were, like, I got some attention from boys in school, but I just, I didn't think that I was like, the beauty queen that I saw some of my other friends kind of walk in that space. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I'm still learning what beauty is to me. And I'm still figuring that out now as a 30 year old woman, like I do think that I'm beautiful. Do I know why I'm beautiful? Not exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'm claiming it. I'm beautiful, and that's that. <laughs> yes, reclaiming it, as Maxine Waters says, I'm reclaiming. I'm reclaiming yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else want to take take a crack at it? I will. Okay. Um, I think it was a little bit of both for me. I had someone speaking beauty into me, but I also had to figure it out for myself. Um, 
because I didn't necessarily feel crazy because I looked different than my friends. Mm -hmm. So I am African American 100%, but I'm a very fair tone. I have lighter eczema scars on my face and I have freckles. And for a long, long time, I had no idea where they came from because both of my parents are darker than me. And I didn't look like anybody else around me. So people would call me adopted and say I was different or weird or whatever the case may be. Although I had all of my family telling me, hey, you're beautiful. Hey, you're just different. Hey, you're this, you're that. I felt like an outcast. Um, growing into my self, growing into the woman that I am now, of course I fall in love with myself because yes, I am unique, yes, I am different, but when you're younger and people are telling you that and all you want to do is fit in, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So just like you just said, um, yes, I do know I'm beautiful, yes, I do feel beautiful, but I couldn't even tell you why. Mm -hmm. Which is so sad. Like I feel like I we should be able to say, yeah. Yes, I think it's still. I think it's all a part of the journey of being an independent woman. But I definitely don't know when the answer comes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I think um, I have similar experiences um, with both of you guys. Um, for me, growing up, like, I, I have an older sister who I just think is super pretty. So I think I always, like, kind of compared myself to her mm -hmm. a lot of times. Um, and I would always get the comparisons, too. Because um, I was, like, real tomboyish. <laughs> it kind of still is. Um, and just, like, just real rough and ragtag. My hair will always be on the place. Um, It'll be like, well, tell you just do your hair, da 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 da. Or, you know, um, so I, I definitely don't think I was really spoken into. Mm -hmm. um, in that way, I think it always came with like a qualifier. It'll be like, you're pretty, but you could, mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, and I don't think really, I was really like just really liked myself and like how I looked until I got into college. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I, I can see it. I'm feeling, like, I can feel myself before. Because <laughs> um, I didn't have the guys in high school. I wasn't doing any of that. It was just, like, being bad with my friends. attention <laughs> 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 or nothing like that. Um, even really when I was in college, like, you know, that wasn't really nothing like that. But I guess I was kind of just growing into myself more, I think. Um, again, coming and I'm in Florida by myself. <laughs> I didn't have anybody here for the first few months, so it's a lot of time looking at yourself. I'm like, all right, like, I kind of like my nose. I kind of like my little shape. Like, all right, like, you know, maybe if I do this or that, I'll, you know. Mm -hmm. so I think I'm definitely growing into um, my, my beauty, so to speak. And um, I think a lot of it is just with the confidence, too, that you can um, that can also be beautiful than just like outward looks because there's some pretty people with some terrible personality. Yes, I, I, I didn't. Yeah, ooh, you you, you, you you hitting on a little too close now. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so I kind of want to navigate towards more of a workplace environment for black young black women. I have a question here that says, why is our hair seen as such a major topic in the workplace? And have you ever had to switch your hair for a job opportunity? I haven't, but I really haven't had a real job. <laughs> um, I've had to switch my hair color um, just because they say when you are um, of the African-American descent, you already have bodies <laughs> that's serving, mm. that's serving, and then you want to hit them with a little bit of razzle-dazzle on that hair color <laughs> just a little bit too much for them. They can't handle it. So they want you to have quote unquote normal hair colors and styles can't be too big, styles can't be too extravagant, it has to be basic because if it's not and if it's anything other than that, you're not being quote unquote professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that kind of goes into my next question. How do you navigate the race and gender lines in the workplace and do you feel the need to code switch? And if you are comfortable enough, can you tell the people listening what type of work environment you're in? Um, yeah, I, I've gotten pretty good at the code switch, um, and which is, I mean, I feel like it's a means to an end for us. like. Which is, again, it's really sad. Um, But I work at a school, um, and I've worked at, like, a number of different places where, in customer service, where I'm on the phone um, quite a bit. And people are shocked when they come in to the front door of the school, because I'm at the desk, and they don't see, I guess, what they thought they were going to see, um, and it's, it's just, it's interesting. I don't know if they expect us to all talk a certain way, um, but they, I've been, it's happened multiple times throughout my life that people are like, oh my gosh, you're not at all what I thought you were going to look like, and I'm like, oh, well, sorry, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I've found myself like straightening my hair for the first couple months of a new job or something, just to kind of ease my way into an environment because I am right now I'm the only um, black person on my staff, and it's very awkward it's very uncomfortable I feel like I have become the encyclopedia black tanica over the last (laughs) few months um especially with the cold like with everything that's going on right now um everyone's asking me questions all the time and they will come and be like oh I like I saw the news are you okay like what do you mean like what and I'm I'm just never really sure how to answer those questions um I get a lot of questions kind of day to day and it is exhausting (laughs) to say the very least 
Um, I think it's good in some capacity that they feel safe enough um, to to ask me questions, and they think that I will respond in a way that's not... um, I really don't like using the word aggressive um, because I think it comes with such negative connotation like for us in our community, but... Yeah, I, I think they just think that I, I don't know if I'm palatable, and if, and that's why they feel comfortable asking questions. I'm not really sure. It is a task every day, let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does anybody else want to take a, a crack at that one, or no? You want to move on? Okay, okay, we'll go to the next one. So next series of questions are kind of really about your love. What do you mean? What do you mean by love, okay? <laughs> So, the first question off off the bat is, what does loving you mean? So, if you remember this, I don't know if any of you guys ever seen this show. It was called Love Is on OWN. I don't know if you've seen it. It was kind of like a little young romance. And I kind of got these questions from that TV show. Because I feel like we don't know what loving you is. If you get what I mean. Do y'all? Yeah. Okay. Like, self-care or like... So how would how would you tell someone to love you? Ah, uh, okay, that's what. Hmm. If I had to tell them how to love me, which this is Kay, I would say to love me patiently and fluently. Mm. Um, I would say patiently because, like most Black women, I have had a lot of trauma. Been through a lot, and it does take me a second to really break my walls down to open up to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I say fluently because with you being fluent and open with me as well, that allows me to open up and trust you in that same process. So I need both. If I don't get both, and I'm seeing that I'm not gonna get both, I immediately shut. Like I, my shutdown is instant. Mm-hmm. So I have to communicate that off-rip. Like, I'm not even going to waste your time, but I'm not going to waste mine. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the things I need. It ain't nothing to cut them out. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else want to uh, answer that? Yeah, I'll go. Um, it's fluent. It's funny because, like, the person that I'm dating now kind of, is doing the things that I like and it's kind of scary. <laughs> so like I, I really enjoy like, um, what's the word like? Not surprises, but spontaneity. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I can't say it, girl. I don't even know why I tried. <laughs> Whatever the word is, but I really like that. Just like, hey, we're gonna go do this. I don't really like to plan things or in like I don't want to show you how to date me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. come prepared. Come with you know, come with, like, come with the energy as they say. Yeah, come with the energy, <laughs> right? Like you decide where we go. Don't ask me what we gonna do. Uh, you figure it out. So I really have been enjoying not knowing what's going to happen on the weekend or um, having like 
breakfast with someone or like stuff like that I really enjoy and like Kay was saying just like the patience of it of like yeah I'm probably gonna get mad if I'm stupid but you mm-hmm. don't also get mad at me for being mad mm-hmm. <laughs> relax for a second I'm gonna say I'm sorry in probably 10 minutes but um just like the patience of it all I think um both of those um I would I think I would say Okay. Two ways. I love it. I love it. Carrie, you wanna try or you want? Sure. I am and I the two things that I need more than anything else are honesty and communication. I think they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um and just in my in past experiences that I've had, the communication is lacking and so then in my mind there's some there's not honesty happening so i need them both to feel safe enough like you said to even like feel comfortable progressing along in a relationship because mm-hmm. i'm pretty um is it distrusting or untrusting or <laughs> jaded i'm a mess so i have to have that communication and honesty for sure okay um, Kelly, you kind of touched on a little bit trying to like being afraid of what of the newness. I don't know if that's what you mean by it. But my question is, have you ever given yourself permission to be loved before? Or are you afraid of love? I'm gonna be real good. I want to say both of them. <laughs> 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 It'll be a both of them for me. <laughs> I've definitely given myself the opportunity to be loved. Um, I can literally say in my entire life it's been one time. Once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm afraid of it because I, I mean, I hate to say it, but if you touch on traumas, I mean, for a long time I felt like my own parents didn't love me, and I have a whole type of family that treats me as if they don't love me. And I feel like if my family can treat me like that, then I'm not going to open myself up for somebody else to treat me like that, too. Well, I completely understand that. Yeah. It, it took me majority of my 25 life to be able to say, okay, I deserve love just like everybody else, so let me try this. Yeah. Now, I was in that space, and I did have that love that I needed in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it taught me a lot, but that's why I say both of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. My, 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 my. Okay, so I kind of know all three of you guys really are kind of politically engaged. So I have just a couple quick questions about, you know, politics in today's world. So first question, are you guys excited about the political season or the election coming up in, I think it's what, 66 days, maybe 63 days now? I know I want to ask you specifically, Carrie, because you're from the state that Kamala Harris is from. What's the reaction there to her being picked by Joe Biden? Um, it depends on where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are excited 
Um, I have family members that are just like, oh my gosh, we've got a black woman. This is incredible. Um, there are people that still feel some type of way about her involvement um, in mass incarceration in the state. And I think me personally, I fall somewhere in between. Um, I see the greatness um, that can come from her and I see the ways that she has gotten a lot more progressive um, just within the last, I would say maybe three years. Mm -hmm. Um, She's flipped a switch and she's doing different things and like the black agenda is her agenda. but at the same time, it's like, fool mm, me once, shame on, however that statement goes, mm-hmm. shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, I just, I'm a, I'm a little leery. I'm a little leery about this whole political season, to be completely honest with you. Okay. Now, I do have a question with that. You, as a lot of people I know have the issue with her being a former DA, attorney general, mm-hmm. and they kind of, I've seen the... I can say to say, seeing the tweets out there, and I always am on the field fence about it because, yes, she did participate in what we can label mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can acknowledge that. I can, as her one of her biggest fans. If y'all know me, y'all know I'm one of her biggest fans. That's my girl. But mm-hmm. also, I think about well, she was really doing her job. Mm-hmm. Where if you do go look at the statistics of it, the numbers did go down for her cases, what she prosecutes. A lot of people want to throw the weed and everything else, but they always leave out the fact that it was still, when she was district attorney of, I want to say San Francisco, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she, it was still illegal there. She also did the same when she was AG before, you know, still illegal then, but a lot of the stuff, when she was AG, they hold on her, like, you just, she's the top dog, so we're just gonna put everything on you. Instead of realizing that it doesn't, it, you know, everything didn't come to her. And it's really always questions, like, are we upset for that this black woman was doing her job? If y'all get what I mean, I, that's always yeah. my first question. It's like, are we upset that this black woman's doing her job? Well, I would want her to do her job, because there's another thing is that we don't, we're not out here saying, and I'm kind of skipping over my stuff, we're not out here saying we don't want police, but we want police to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. So, but that's for another section of this. So, but I just always have to, when, with her, I always, want to, I always want to ask, and I have been wanting to ask you that, Carrie, for a while, because that's where you're at. You can really yeah. see it. Okay, so did you guys have a particular candidate that you supported in the primaries? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one reason why I kind of was 
supporting her mm -hmm. a little bit more. Now I do have to, I do always wonder why do they pick those, it's the white states first. Like you hear Iowa, mm -hmm. New Hampshire. The same with Kamala Harris, she ran out of money really. Well, she didn't want to go broke with it, as she said, mm -hmm. with trying to put all her money in Iowa. But she did do her South Carolina. She put a lot of money there, and she ended up getting her data stolen by one of the other political candidates. But she did a whole, you know, black woman lead workshop. And you've never really mm -hmm. seen that from any type of candidate before. Right. And I think we've got to look at America that it's not that white idiot like it used to be. Mm -hmm. This is not the 1950s, not the 60s, hell even the 70s. Minorities will be the majority soon. Mm -hmm. And we have to start looking at our political field has to start looking like our country. Right. So, yeah, and I think, um, let's kind of carry on this. I don't want to be on it too long, but um, a lot of the reasons why they do go to those states first is because they vote first. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Historically, if you win those first few states, that is a pulse of America is what they will call mm -hmm. it. Um, so that in South Carolina gives you the pulse of black America, right? Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. allegedly, right, um, the literature was that. So I think, <laughs> I think, you know, this, there is a large kind of movement back down south, mm -hmm. right? And um, we're seeing a lot of, allegedly, I guess, a lot of those northern cities are depleting. They're not, like you're saying, the America we believe it to be. Mm -hmm. So I think over time we're going to start seeing that those first few um, elections don't really count, mm -hmm. right? Like they don't really matter in a way that they might have mattered in 1985 mm -hmm. or you know even in 2001 true right yeah. like i don't think that they're gonna hold that much weight um and as we're you could even yeah. go to saying like 2008 with barack where you know he had to win you know iowa for them to really put some money behind exactly him. exactly mm -hmm. exactly because joe or biden even the, um congressional black caucus yeah, they were. Still so, on Iowa, so. Exactly. Yeah. And it's same with Joe Biden. He lost the primary for Iowa. He lost the primary for New Hampshire. If I'm not recall, Pete Buttigieg won Iowa, and did Bernie end up winning New Hampshire? And, you know, mm -hmm. they counted Joe Biden out, really, and they said he kind of got that push from, you know, the minority community, specifically the black community in South Carolina, where we said, okay, no, we're going to make a voice in this, and we picked Joe and he kind of swept the rest of the delegates. So, yeah. Um, my next thing is, are you a single issue voter? So, you know, some people, as they would say, us millennials are, you know, all for the Green New Deal or, you know, environment, clean environment. Are you a single issue voter? If this person doesn't, ha doesn't talk about this topic, you're not gonna vote. It'll be a no for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think I don't think it would be possible, honestly. Because okay. I hear a lot of people, and it's sad that we always come back to. I'm gonna come back to like saying social media because that's what you know our generation is always on. You see people yeah. talk about well, they don't talk about this, so climate change enough for me. So I don't think I want to vote for them, or they don't talk about um, 
really like healthcare change or they don't go for the Medicare for all, you know, so I'm not gonna vote for them. Instead of looking at what these people's policies are, like some people have universal health care, some people go for the Medicare for all. I don't I just I don't understand why people are single issue voters and that's not to knock a single issue voter. Mm-hmm. It's just something I know I can't be. Because I know, because yeah. I know our vote has power behind it. They wouldn't try to suppress our vote if it didn't have power. Exactly. So. Yeah, I think it's as far as even I would say social media is concerned, and people are tweeting all those things. It's like I think so many people are getting all of their information mm-hmm. from social media rather than doing their own research and actually looking at okay, this is what this person believes like across the board. This is what this person is saying they're gonna work towards across the board. People are lazy and don't want to do the work and just read headlines and make their decisions based on headlines. And I think it's really dangerous because we do have so much power, our age group, and especially like black people in our age group have so much power and I don't think we, we as a collective unit, not saying like the four of us on this phone right now, um, but we as a collective unit don't always do our own research. Mm-hmm. Which I completely, I can, I can completely see that and understand that because you definitely see it. Um, so I'm gonna move on from the politics. We're gonna do a whole episode on that. So I hope you guys will come back and kind of will talk with me again about it. But. My next question kind of goes into talking about our culture just a little bit. I have just two questions, really. Well, three. Do you think we as a culture, and I mean by culture, I mean our black community, reduce our women down to just having kids and marriage? I would say not anymore. Mm-hmm. It's yet a time. I don't think so. You don't think so? Is it going back to where... Um, I, you both said, you and Kay both said, you know, we're more, ind- well, y'all are more independent now and you're able to have more freedoms with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's still a, I think it's an expectation still from the older generation, mm-hmm. but not necessarily ours. I'm literally, like I said, I'm 25. I can count on both hands how many times since I turned 25 that I've been asked when I'm going to get married and have kids. So it's still something our older generation still expects from women, younger girls. Yes. Okay. And then as soon as you say you're not, like, marriage is not really on your radar right now, it's like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, the last conversation I had with my grandma, she asked me if I was going to get married and have a baby before she died. And my <laughs> response was, I mean, are you dying anytime soon? <laughs> so she's, it's, I mean, it's just a mess. It is a whole mess. Especially now that I'm 30, she's like, oh, you need to, I'm going to need you to get on this because this is, this is unacceptable. I think I might be the last female grandkid with no kids. So. And then with that, I'm like, have y'all met the men in this generation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nobody wants that. At all. 
Okay, so my next one really kind of goes into black men. I really don't want this to be, I, if you notice, I have kind of stayed away from those typical conversations where black women talking about black men, you know, and that, because, you know, they love to say that black women be bashing black, black women bash black men, which I don't think they do. I think they try to hold them accountable. Exactly. So my next question is, do you, do you honestly think black men in today's society or young black men are checking for young black women? L-O-L. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's funny because we all want to say that they do, in a sense. I feel like some do, but the ones that are kind of sometimes problematic. Mm. Um, in my experience, right, they kind of hotep. <laughs> not, the, girl, um, not the 48 laws of power <laughs> I just don't know I don't know how I feel about this um, personally but I, you know there's a few but I think some of them like I said have those have some some politics that I just can't really um, jump into mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that gets into my next question I I I ask the question to you guys is how are some black women helping the continuization of the toxic masculinity in our community? Mm. I accept things just to keep just to be consistent. And I say that as um ooh, ooh. Ooh, I'm gonna step on a couple towels. <laughs> Look, step on them, step on them. I say that as allowing a black man to degrade you and then still giving him your all, mm. that's because you don't want to be alone. Um, I say okay. that as allowing a black man to hide you because of what his friends or somebody else is gonna say about your appearance versus his. Um, I say that about um, suppressing your feelings, needs, and wants in a relationship just to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just a lot. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot that I just don't think is fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, don't like... Anybody else want to crack at that one? I mean, she's got them. <laughs> I mean, I'm over here with my hand in the air, like, yes, that, all of that, because it's, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a struggle, and it continues to perpetuate, not only perpetuate the toxic masculinity and the behavior from men, but then it turns around and perpetuates these stereotypes against black women that a large majority of us have no business like we want nothing to do with that so right. I think it's 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 toxic and it's again it's dangerous for the community and for the culture at large I think okay. um, my next question for this one is going to be 
how do you feel when you hear a black man say, I don't talk to black girls because they buy into the angry black women syndrome? Because I know person, I have a friend who has said it to me before, he doesn't like black girls because they're so angry or they just come off angry. You know, they might be saying something, but I, if I hear them talking, she's not angry, she's just trying to communicate. But to him, he's seeing her as angry or loud or, you know, the stereotypical. What do you feel about that? I mean, I roll my eyes very hard at a statement like that. But I think men need to, not all men do this or whatever, but I think your question should be, the question should be not, I don't want to date black women because they're all angry black women. It should be, why are they angry black women? Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm doing or somebody else is doing that's making them have this reaction? Because nine out of the 10 angry, quote unquote, black women are angry because they're not being heard. And that's the only way that they can see what they're saying, be heard. So if you gave black women another place or another space to say what they had to say where it wasn't turmoil, you would get a different reaction. Mm -hmm. okay. Keep giving them the same basic black man, I don't care about what you have to say, they're going to keep turning up on you. Mm -hmm. And also, you see, it's crazy. Again, I'm referring back to social media because that's kind of our big thing for our generation. It's sad, but hey, it's what, it is what it is. You see a lot of black men go up for Latino women who are known to be that aggressive, that, you know, hit you or, you know, get loud, scream in your face, and they go up for that. Why is it that they would rather let someone else do that to them instead of their own people to say? That's one of the fascinations I've always had with, you know, men like, oh, I love a Latina. She got a little spice in her. But you don't like black women because you say she's angry. Mm. Well, I think it has everything to do with literally the words you just said. The term for Latina women is spice or flavor or whatever. And the term for black women is angry or hostile or aggressive. And it's just, like, I I wish men would just say, I want to date so-and-so or this race because I'm attracted to this race instead of I'm not going to date black women because of this issue. Like, yeah. like what you like, own your shit. Like, that's your business. Mm -hmm. Who cares, really? At the end of the day, nobody cares because probably don't want you anyways but like just own it and say what it is you don't have to tear the community the women in your community down because you like women of another race exactly. that's your business exactly i just always think about well you have a black ass mama so exactly. I, I, like it throws me off like it, i never can understand it i never can process it like you have a black ass mama yeah, you don't like black women because 
They're angry. I'm thinking. You know, well, he, they probably made his mama angry too. <laughs> right. That's what I was about to say. Let's say I said it. When your mama was angry, why was she angry? Because you were doing something wrong. Exactly. He didn't just get mad at you for no reason. Mm-hmm. It was a reaction to something. Exactly. And like, y'all gotta take that into consideration. Yeah. And she was probably at it. Don't yeah. walk around mad. Okay. Mm-hmm. For a reason too. There's a reason behind her, you know, getting that way. Okay, so I kind of want the last little section I'm going to do is on mental health. How are you doing with everything going on? I'm talking about COVID, COVID-19. I'm talking about, you know, the racial injustice in our country going on right now, the protests that are going on, and even with our, the white folk saying, you know, rioting. How are you doing with all that? How are you, what's your coping mechanism to get through it? Oof. <laughs> a whole lot of meditating going on in there. <laughs> a whole lot of meditating. I, I think, honestly, I can feel at least 12 different emotions <laughs> in 30 minutes, depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. I understand but that. But I will say, with COVID, it did push me to be. Um, with COVID, with everything that's going on as far as police brutality to the extreme of what it is right now, it has taught me to um, put a purpose behind every moment. Mm. Because I don't know when, by quote unquote, whatever they say is freedom is going to be taken away. And I don't know when it's going to be my last moment for seeing somebody. I don't know when I won't be able to do certain things. And I don't want to leave this earth and say that there was something that I didn't get to do. The time is now. Do it. Take advantage of it. Live in that moment and go versus being scared. That's good. That's so good. Anybody else? Yeah, um, like Tate said, a lot of meditating, watching shows, and like just being able to kind of step away from everything for a second. Like, although we don't have like the normal places to go, just being able to kind of like walk around and like take a break from your phone for a minute or an hour <laughs> and just kind of like remove myself I think from seeing all of it um especially when you know a lot of the police murders happen um they're all on the timeline like people feel like you need to see it right and on those days it's like okay let me just log off for the day um walk around hopefully it's not on my feet tomorrow um but still knowing like that's a part of the fight like i understand why people are doing it but for me i don't i don't want to see that um i don't want to have to go to bed with that image in my mind personally um so on that front on the social justice part i think um that's kind of the toughest part is um kind of knowing about things happening not being able to do anything really about it 
and kind of having to be okay with yourself and knowing that you have no control over the situation. Yeah, I have cried a lot. I have talked to my therapist a lot. Food. Um, yeah, watching shows, trying to get creative in whatever capacity that I have at the moment, which, I mean, depending on the day, is either a lot or nothing at all. Um, I put a lot of energy just into work um, and different work options and opportunities just to kind of distract not the best coping mechanism out there but it it works for a short amount of time um and just i don't know like as as cliche as this might sound like just praying that there's better coming if that makes sense like that there's something on the other side of all of this that this is for a purpose that it's for something and that again this whatever that freedom is that whatever that looks like that we are able to attain it at some point i mean i i feel like our our people like it's been generation after generation after generation oh well we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there like it's hard to not lose hope that it that we will get there like the people that are alive on this earth right now. Um, so just kind of trying to hold on to that, but not be naive at the same time. I know. I, um, for me, I just to answer this question, I, my heartbreaking moment entire this entire thing, it was very heartbreaking as a young black man to hear about Trayvon Martin and to see that. It was heartbreaking to hear about Michael Brown. It was heartbreaking to hear about Philando Castillo. I can't say it. I never can say his last name right, but you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about. It was hard to hear about Sandra Bland. But I think it was so hard for me this year because I finally seen my own mother have to deal with her. My mother's biracial. And so her, our, I said her, like they're not my family, but mm-hmm. her, her, her family called us. And we hadn't talked to them in a while. And they called and asked, do you guys face those type of situations? Have you ever had a racial issue like that? And to see her really finally break down about having two black boys and how she does worry about us being out here and about having, you know, one black gay her weep for that. So just to weep for that she doesn't know when we leave the house if we're gonna come back. And it makes me think, how many other black mothers go through that? And it just really just that, that was my point where I was like this, you know, I already took it serious, I took it serious, but also it really made me think this does hit home regardless. We might not have lost a life, but a black mother did lose a life. She already worried about that and it hurt, her worst fear happened. So, um, you guys kind of did my question for what do you do to kind of help you stay in a better headspace with everything going on. So you've all said kind of meditation, praying. So I'm glad that we have some type of outlet or just turning off our phones, you know, getting away from social media, walking around a park. You know, some people might partake in the 420. Um, 
because we we have to be honest. We have to be we have to keep it honest. Most people do participate in that. It's twenty twenty. <laughs> Let it go. We got just to move on. <laughs> just move on. So I never want to leave this. Pop. <laughs> Are you all there still? Yep. Okay. So I never. Okay, you there? Yeah. Okay. I never want to leave this podcast without coming back to a good place. And I always like to leave it with some type of call to action. So my question to you three is, what piece of advice would you give to a young black girl out there who might listen to this podcast? And I kind of want all three of you guys to answer this question for me. So whoever wants to start can start. But again, I'm going to repeat the question. What advice would you give to a young black girl who might be listening to this podcast? Or young black woman, I'm sorry. Be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else for somebody else. Because you are worthy and you are amazing. You're incredible. You're beautiful just the way you are who you are in this moment is enough and that you need to walk in that walk with your head held high with your crown on your shoulders back because that is you are enough right this second whether your hair is done your nails are done you've lost the 10 pounds you've gained the 10 pounds you are enough today right now i love it Um, for me, I would say keep going. Don't give up. Um, start that business. Believe in yourself. Begin that dream. Build you. Build your brand. And just like she said, love yourself. Um, you are enough. And manifest it, sis. Nice. Um, dang, y'all took the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, I would say keep going forward. There's a lot of world to see. Um, and take those opportunities. The ones that seem small right now, the ones that don't really fit um, because they came to you for a reason. Um, and take on those opportunities with all of your heart being a hundred percent who you are um because that'll make them even better and even sweeter so. Ooh, i love it um again i want to say thank y'all for just sparing the time to do this for with me um i hope it touches somebody out there hopefully you know they get a little take a little piece of nugget from this you know um <laughs> So that's it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I will be in touch with you guys later on. I will make sure that you guys get to hear this as well. And y'all have a good night. Be blessed. Mask up. COVID-19 is real, okay? Trust me. And I got to see all y'all at different places because y'all are different across, y'all all across the country and I can't wait to be around y'all again. So I love y'all. Be blessed. Thanks for the Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Anytime, anytime. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Smack.